George, you are on the spot. And looking fine this morning. I was seeing um, the pictures surface on social media, beautiful pictures, engagement pictures of George and his lovely uh, Sarah Riyadh. So excited for you. Thank you, boys. Thank you, Graziano. Well, it's Sunday morning, everyone. It's a good day. I promise to be brief as um, I've already given this message once last Sunday. So if you were here last Sunday, please forgive me. Um, but if you weren't, because there were a lot of people missing, and there is a lot of people still missing, I'm sure, because of summer plans. Thank you, Anna. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Um, I, I think it's important as we um, head into a new uh, uh, month with a new series that we give a bit of an introduction, so to speak, uh, to the why, answering the why. Um, because the, the title to this series is rather vague. <laughs> it's called The Basics, right? It's the only thing I could come up with. I'm so sorry. Um, trying to get better on that, you know. But I think, um, irregardless of the title and its vagueness, it's an important um, subject matter. Um, and I want to get into why I think it's important. Um, using the Word of God as a reference point, always good. If you would, turn, turn with me, excuse me, to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. If you have your Bibles today. And again, I'm going to be brief. We're not going to keep you. It's a beautiful day out. Man, how, what is up with all the rain? Like, uh, it's a sign. It's a sign. Somebody's like, it's a sign. It's a sign that the sun should come up. Jeez. Lord. Yes, yes. yes. I have grass. It's just been a busy week. I have grass that's like as big as my son. It's like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I might have to get out there with the hedgers and trim it down before I run the lawnmower. But James chapter 1, verse 22. Let's pray and let's get into the word this morning. Father, we thank you for all that is going on in this community. We thank you for the 110 Intensive. We thank you for the men's group and other things that are happening. We thank you, Lord, for these things because it's a sign of life. It's a sign that we are not just hearing God's word, but we're trying our best to do. And so, Lord, as we go into the word, Father, we, we ask, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, you would reveal why it's important that we do, that we take action. In Jesus' name, amen. James chapter 1, verse 22, James says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, he goes away, and at once he forgets what he was like. You know, I, you know, starting off, please, if you were here last Sunday, um, forgive me for my, my sarcasm or my joke. Well, I, I think somewhat of a joke. It's my attempt. Um, but my question to us this morning, an observation of these three verses, is have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror 
and been like, what? I, I'm not talking about like, whoa. I mean, some of you be look, like George. I'm sure George looks in the mirror and is like, whoa, that is good, God. Thank you. But if you are not blessed with genes like George, then you're probably like me looking at the mirror and saying, what? <laughs> it happens to me all the time, really. I know that may come as a surprise given, you know, my features and my chiseled, you know, frame. But um, thank you, Matt. I can always look to you for moral support. But essentially, this explains what James is trying to get to here in these three verses. James demonstrates the insanity, the tragedy of examining oneself in God's mirror, right? The implanted word. Let's look at verse 21. In verse 21, James says this, Therefore put away filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. But in light of all this, James is pretty much saying it is insane, it is a tragedy to look at God's word. And as you look at God's word, you see your imperfections, so to speak, or your worldliness. And you do nothing about it. God's perfect world, word, world is meant to reveal imperfections in wilderness, worldliness for the purpose of us seeing those imperfections so that common sense might kick in and say, man, I should probably get on the treadmill. I should probably go without chocolates, you know. I should probably put the ice cream away. But we're speaking in spiritual terms, so we're speaking... I think ultimately about character. You know, it's good that we're pursuing God, we're pursuing missions, and we're talking and pursuing revival and for God to use us. But if we dare to venture out into some of these things without character, ooh, it's a scary place to be. But we want to be people of character here at Hilltop. And in my observation, the only way to build godliness, to build character, is to build my life upon this book. And essentially, that's what James is saying. James explains that hearing the word without action is self-deceptive. Let me say that again. James explains to us within these three verses that looking at God's word and not taking action is self-deceptive. While hearing God's word and it resulting in doing brings forth blessing. Let's, let's read again, all, only let's go to verse 26 this time, starting in verse 22 of James chapter 1. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So right there, James makes the claim. He, he makes the statement and from now on, as we read the next couple of verses, he begins to look at or begins to lead us through what deception looks like. 
For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he is blessed in his doing. 26, if anyone thinks, here's an example. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, there's the action point of our faith. We just can't think in our minds or say with our lips that we are a Christian, that we are religious in manner of faith. We have to take action. And somehow, some way, our Christian faith needs to materialize in acts. The example here is the act of bridling your tongue. It's not the entirety of action points the gospel calls us to. But it's it's an example. It's a very good example. Here's another one. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Again, action points. Verse 22, he makes the statement. He lays it out. He says, listen, You just can't hear God's word. you got to take action. It's not enough to say you're a believer and have an unbridled tongue and speak about other brothers or sisters in the way that you so see fit because they offended you. Example, okay? Not the entirety. Listen, it's not the entirety, okay? I want to emphasize that point. Pure and undefiled religion here in James' summary it's not the entirety of what pure and undefiled uh, relationships with God, relationship with God is. It's an example. James is saying, listen, your action or your doing needs to look like this. Go to the widows. Go to the orphans. Bridle your tongue. Oh, yeah, persevere and keep yourself from worldliness. How about that for a church slogan? kind of heavy when you think about it. So James, explicitly in my estimation within those three verses, says three times. Once in verse 22 lies the claim and statement in verses 26 and 27 gives us examples. The central theme of James chapter 1, 19 through 27, in my observation, is practical Christianity. And that's really my desire as a pastor this morning and through or in doing this series is that we would take a look at the practicals of this God we sing to, of what he requires of us, what he desires of us, this God that we preach about, this gospel that we speak in the name of or pray for people in the name of. What are are some of just the basic key tenets of our faith that should not be neglected? Now, I'm not talking about perfection. There's a process here. But it starts with taking action. The central theme, again, of James chapter 1, 19 through 27, to me, is practical Christianity. The Word of God must take root. Listen, it must take root in every believer. And being doers of the Word and not hearers only is the only appropriate response, I believe, to the gospel. 
not only the gospel, but the entirety of Scripture. I said this last Sunday, and I want to say it again because I believe it right here. I'm not perfect in it or with it, but I burn for it. Obedience is the hallmark of the true child of God. Obedience is the hallmark of the true Christian. Wanting and desiring to be obedient is the staple, the hallmark of all faith in true Christianity. Now that can serve, I think, as a great takeaway for us this morning. Obedience according to the gospel is not optional. We treat it as if it were. Sorry, I'm looking for the right word there. A little bit of stall. But it's not optional. Let me say that again. Obedience is not optional. It's required, actually. Matter of fact, Jesus describes obedience as being love for him. He attributes that to our depth, our sincerity of love for him. That does something in my heart. I hope it does something in yours. Are we proving ourselves to Jesus? No, there's grace. Absolutely. But somehow, some way, these truths must take deep roots in us. That, that somehow, some way, they begin to correct behaviors and disturb disobedience. Like where you just can't escape. You just cannot be disobedient. You have to follow through because it attributes love to Christ. The damaging state, uh, uh, truth about the statement that I made that obedience is not optional is this, is that um, when we start talking like this, when we start giving language like this, most of us drift, I include a drift, and start thinking, okay, well, God is just an angry, you know, person up in heaven um, who's trying to bully me uh, into submission to his every unrealistic demand. It's not the truth at all. It's not the truth at all. The, 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 the real thing that needs to take place is we need a change of perspective. See, today I don't look at growing in obedience. I don't look at, at attributing my, the depth of my love for Christ as as being obedient, I don't, I don't have like any kind of condemnation that begins to unravel in my mind or any kind of thoughts of God. I actually love it. I, I, actually, I actually say, yeah, you know what, Daryl? You need to grow. <laughs> Stuff like that just, it encourages me. It, it, it actually provokes me rather than causes my heart to hide. I don't know, for me, if there's an area of character that I believe God wants to touch, I, I press in harder, you know? I'm like, God, search me and know me. <laughs> See if there be any wicked ways. Listen, there's tons of wickedness in this man. But, but, but that doesn't make me shy away from God. That makes me press harder. Because I know apart from the grace of God, oh, the wickedness in this man be it maybe at a two now, could be at a ten.
we need perspective. 1 John 5, 3 says this. In fact, this is love for God. Someone say for God. Not the love of God, but the love for God. Meaning our love for Him. That we keep His commandments. And then in somehow, some way, we don't look at the Lord's commandments as being burdensome. Come on. Too much of the church. Oh, here goes Pastor Daryl talking about obedience again and God's commandments. <laughs> but this excites me. I say, you know, if I, could, if I had a number of things that I screwed up in this week or I f- fell short of just this week alone, I wouldn't be here this morning. <laughs> But you know what? Stuff like this charges me that I'm to perceive God's commandments as not being burdensome at all, but actually, actually that I am filled with joy saying, God, write your commandments upon my heart. Search this man and know me. That quickly snaps me out of those thoughts of God being a bully, trying to, you know, bully me into submission even though obedience is not optional the way we arrive at obeying God is not because he's strong arming us into compliance but that we are joyfully eagerly desiring to obey him because of our love for him essentially that's what I'm trying to say let me let me say that again even though in the gospel we find obedience is not optional the way we arrive at obeying God is not because he's strong-arming us. I don't feel strong-armed by God this morning. But I have arrived to a place of obedience filled with joy, eagerly desiring to obey because I love him. I love him. It's simple, right? You know, for me, quickly, as, you know, we're on this theme, the questions start to unravel in my mind. And I'm, I'm sure for some of you this morning it does too. What, 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 does, it, what does it mean? Or how do we know uh, what pleases God? How do we arrive at understanding what God's desire is for our lives? It's right here. <laughs> it's oh. From page to page, this is just the New Testament. But, but we have a book that contains over a thousand pages, 67 chapters of stories about God. <laughs> and for some of us this morning, this, this place is, this, this book here, not this one specifically, but our, our Bible has found a nice little place at an end table or, you know, at a, on a bookshelf collecting dust. And I'd say, if you want to know what pleases God, this might be a good place to start. I started this funny thing on social media. Some of you guys will enjoy this. Um, and for you who were here last Sunday, sorry, but it's, it's so good. I love this. Um, this man was sitting at his coffee table, you know, hands folded. And... Um, in the caption, eyes closed, the caption was, God, speak to me. And just three inches from his hand laid a closed Bible. <laughs> Am I the only one? 
Is me and Will the only one that got that? <laughs> Do we immediately connect with that? But I thought it was, I just thought it was such a good analogy, such a good representation of, of, of some of the things that are so obvious, but that we neglect so much, where this book is full of God. If you have any questions today of what God desires for you, if you have any questions about uh, the more details or specifics of my message, well, here is a good place to start. Here's a good place to build your life upon and in. James says in chapter 1, verse 23, that when one looks at himself in the mirror intently, when he walks away, he forgets. But then goes on to say, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, referring to the gospel, and he attaches to it and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who, act, who acts, he will be the one who is blessed. Huckab- you know, so many books out there, you know, your blessed life now, you know, how to be blessed, 10 ways to be blessed, you know. Just try obedience. It's a great place to start. Like, I mean, I, I love that we serve a God that doesn't just throw his commands out in there and just say, do it. Do it or I'm going to get you. Uh, yeah, he says, do it. But if you do it, there's blessings attached to your doing. I kind of love that. You know, about prayer, you know. The, 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 I'm trying to find the right word, as you can tell. But I love that we can seek God in, in somewhere in his love and his compassion and tender toward, tenderness towards us. He attaches a blessing in our seeking. He attaches a blessing in our obedience. I love that. And that's what gives me joy. I look at that and say, God, who am I not to obey you? I want to be blessed. And Do we do that to be blessed? No, but I didn't say it. God's word said it. I'm not trying to, to, to you know, preach a, a prosperity gospel where if you just do, God will do. No, he said it here. The man who obeys, he will be blessed. The man who does, oh, he will be blessed. Hey, give it to me, God, I'll take it. Give it to me, I'll take it. So we have God's word to know God, to see what God desires from us, to learn how to obey, how to give. And that's essentially what we're going after with the basics. See, we're talking about obedience, but again, this is just an introduction. I believe that obedience is a key tenet to the Christian faith. But more so, we're introducing this series using this book to say all of life's questions, all of our things and such that we go through, our emotional highs and lows, the answer is found here, right here. You know? What does the Bible say about community? Do you know that this Bible talks about community? It talks about giving. It talks about women in ministry. It talks about our sexuality. It teaches us. It gives us application. It gives us teaching on how as Christians we are to conduct ourselves and live. So why not turn there? Why not look at it? That is the heart of this series, we're going to look at practical Christianity. 
So my answer to the question of how do we know what pleases God is, are we looking at the book? If we familiarize ourselves, if we become acquainted with God's nature or his character, the results of doing that will be that we understand or we begin to see what pleases God and what God desires. Therefore, it does, it's not a mystery anymore. It's very simple. We understand this when it comes to our relationship. I have to study my wife, and I am not there by any means, friends. You go, what way in the morning? But I, I can't just look at her briefly and think to myself, oh, I get her. I know it. Um, I know what pleases. I know what um, impresses. I know what stirs her affection for me. I have to study, and I've given my life and covenant to this woman to mainly study her so that I can become the husband of her dreams. But we can use that when it comes to our relationship with God. We have to dust this book off In closing, let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter 4.13. Is this okay this morning? Sorry. There's just so much in that announcement. I, I, it's all good. I love it. Should we? I wanted to preach about missions, actually, after. I was just like, let's change it all up. Let's. Hebrews 4.13. Actually, let's start in verse 12. For the word of God is living. A little buzzword in the church. Oh. Your word is living. <laughs> Throw it around in the prayer room. Oh, God, your word is living and active. It, it very much is, but do we really believe that? I, I find it hard to believe that if it was living and active, as this guy is saying right here, and I say guy because there's a little bit of, um, you know, they're not quite sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. Um, but I'm sure if truly we arrived at viewing God's word as being living and active, we would give a lot more attention to this thing. And maybe, I'm uh, maybe I'm preaching to myself, so good message, Daryl. <laughs> Thank you, Daryl. <laughs> For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And then he sums it up here. Right before he starts talking about Jesus, our great high priest, he brings closure. And listen to this. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account The word is living, it's active, it's sharp. And the one who wields this sharp two-edged sword is Jesus, and he sees everything. That's scary. I'm scared by that. <laughs> Jesus sees it all. Who better to wield the sword that cuts between soul and spirit 
Who better? The one who sees all, who knows who we are behind closed doors. See, I could fool you as a pastor. I can fool you as a believer, but I cannot fool God because God sees it all. So why not just open ourselves to the sword of God's word? Why not? I think it's a great idea. You know, it's one thing to just talk about, you know, revival and how God wants to use us and missions, which is all good and glorious. But it's another thing to get in the trenches of character building and working and say, God, cut between soul and spirit, joint and marrow in my life. You, the one who sees my intentions, the the the. the fluctuations of my heart. Do your work in me. You see it all. Therefore, help me build my life upon this book. The Word of God acts as God Himself. Let me say that again. The Word of God, God's Word acts as God Himself so that our innermost thought and intentions lie exposed. I got one guy on board with me, man. You're awesome. I love it. Keep feeding me. I love it. You're, he, Christian's nothing like you. He never goes boo. Man. Can you stay and have him go back to California? No. Listen, the word living here in the Greek means having vital power in and of itself and extending that same power upon the human soul to, f- to be f- refreshed, strong, effective, active, powerful, affectious. When the writer of Hebrews uses the phrase word of God here, um, usually in using or referencing those words, he is talking about the message of salvation, but here, right here, I want you to picture it meaning the personal utterance of God. The very word, the very words from God's lips. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. Would it be better if I talked about revival? You want revival? Just live this word. Brian Kim, I can't wait for Christians to start acting and behaving like Christians. Just do what the Word says. You will get revival. Oh, three of you golf clap. All right, come on, come on. I get so bored with hearing from Christians that just have the sound bites of revival and gifts and love, but they lack character. Come on, you give me a young man and a young woman with character. Woo! Look out, Cambridge. Look out, Hilltop. Burn with this word. Oh, the very, the very utterance of God, his very words. Oh, we have them right here. Right here. And my desire is as a church, we would give ourselves, oh, wholeheartedly to this scripture to answer very practical questions and not just answer them and not just arrive intellectually at a place, but actually 
have them start inconveniencing our lives. <laughs> hey, listen. I don't. I want to give this analogy, and I want to. You mind? <laughs> My wife probably has a different take on this, and we're working it out right now as we speak. <laughs> Izzy, you, you may have heard the phone conversation last night. I apologize for that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she may have a, a different take on this, so you might want to go to her after service. <laughs> And I forget why I'm using this, but I think it was appropriate. Listen, being obedience, being obedient, our following this book to the letter is inconvenient. <laughs> Let me give you an example. <laughs> it's Saturday. We're just coming back from, uh, I, no, actually we're home. We're home and I'm leaving to go into J-Hop um, to do our prayer set and to go uh, celebrate uh, Annie's birthday, but also Matthew's graduation. I think there was a little bit of celebration of Matthew's graduation going on there. And Bethany calls. Yeah, man. And it's about a computer. I'm, I'm a techie, you know. I'm somewhat of a techie, okay. I'm just a little higher on the food chain of, you know, <laughs> being advanced. <laughs> then my wife, she's very not advanced, and um, <laughs> she's got no problem with that. I mean, it's not a, not a big deal. Um, we all, we yeah, we all have, we all have those, and um, you know, I can tell by the conversation that this is going to take some FaceTime, um, meaning I need to see what's on the computer. So I pull over, um, and I hit FaceTime. Uh, now the the details are not specific. They're not, they're not needed to get into because we're still working through this. But essentially at the heart of the problem lies a man who struggles with telling the truth. You know? And in my mind, it was very little. Um, but with her, it was very big. And, you know, seeing it, I can see how this word is so applicable to some of my behavior because if this word demands from me obedience, then even something as little as a quick lie can be damaging. And so my illustration is this, is that yes, very much so, this word inconvenience us where we want to just add a little bit of, you know, lying to the plate or a little bit of wandering to the plate. We can't because this word sets up perimeters around us, borders that it tells us not to cross. And then we're left with a task of saying, can I do this? And something as little, though big, um, can have tremendous effects. And so my encouragement to us, Hilltop, is that we would not just be hearers of this truth, but we would live out, even at the sake of inconvenience, this scripture. 
this word to the best of our abilities by the grace of God. Let's pray.